0: Hi there, and welcome to Vox Talk, your weekly review from the world of voiceover. I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli from Voices. Do you know how to take care of your voice? Soprano, voiceover artist, and voice teacher extraordinaire Susan Eichhorn-Young joins us from her Manhattan studio to discuss the top do's and don'ts for vocal professionals when it comes to taking care of your voice. Susan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Stephanie.
0: All right. So I want to get this one out there because this, this is like the one thing that really bothers me like nothing else. Let's settle it right here and now, Susan. So are they called vocal folds or vocal cords? Well, they can be called either, but
1: as the science becomes more adept and um, the way of looking at them has changed, we have changed it from cord to fold because of how they actually function so as we learn more the the stuff changes is what we're going to call them but you can call them either just make sure you don't spell chord with an h
0: yes oh my goodness yes i know And, and for anyone who's listening like you know vocal folds is, is how I was trained. I know that's how I learned from you, and, and I should, would be remiss if I didn't say that I studied with Susan when I was 16 years old, and it is Ugh. such a treat to have her here on the show with us, and um, just fantastic. You helped me get into university, and you trained me to do all the things that I'm doing now, and I don't want to cry on our show, but anyway, this is just a really wonderful moment, so yay. I just wanted Drilled to drill to be to here. That. I
1: know. Talk about a full circle, hey?
0: It is. Absolutely. So, um, Susan, and as you were talking about the vocal folds and, and knowing how sensitive that our instruments can be, what are some of the most harmful things a singer or an actor can do to their voice? Um, oh, good question. I don't even know where to
1: begin. Um, I think it's just being when, when you're not aware of how your voice works. Um, that's when you can accidentally create damage or uh, fatigue. Um, the more you can learn about how everything functions um, and and what your body needs, I think that's the crucial part. um because the irony is there are no nerve endings in the vocal folds. So when people say, "My folds are tired, that's not really they might be, but what you're feeling more is musculature around that has nerve endings in them. Um, Sometimes, you know, damage can happen from just overuse over time, um, lack of hydration, lack of rest. Um, Sometimes it can happen just really stupidly, like you're at a ball game or something screaming in the stands, and just that split second can cause damage. So sometimes it's not even um, a conscious thing that you're doing for work.
0: And that happens to so many people. I I can't tell you the number of people I've heard from in professional voice user world who will actually mouth cheering in the stands. Like they don't actually cheer. They'll just be like, yeah. "Eh." You know? Exactly, and, exactly. And it's like, you know, little sacrifices, little little things that you do to keep your voice where it needs to be. So, yeah, thanks for highlighting that cuz no one really wants to intentionally ruin their voice. Like no. it, that's not what you wake up every day thinking, I'm going to I'm going to totally exactly. butcher my voice <laughs> exactly. today. Exactly. Um and of course there are ways that we do unintentionally as vocalists sabotage our instruments. So, um what are some of those ways that we we might like hurt ourselves? unintentionally, and what can we do to change those behaviors? I think finding
1: the vocal health possibilities for your voice, because every body is different. So if you're thinking of what you're doing as athletic, just as if, you know, if you were at the gym working out, you're not going to, or you shouldn't, work the same body part two days in a row, row because the muscles need time to recover. So if we're thinking vocal instrument and those muscles are more intrinsic, smaller, they need less time before they start to fatigue. So really making sure that, you know, if you're on the mic as a a voiceover artist, that you take regular breaks to hydrate, you take regular breaks to just rest and not speak that's an important factor so that the mechanism has permission to relax and also then that you're also working for changing pitch in your speaking voice so that you're not getting into a monotone and then those muscles aren't getting tighter and tighter and tighter so exploring those aspects as well will help
0: so much to think about with your voice because as you said like you know it's it really is everything that you're doing, you have to be conscious of, oh, well, you know, did I eat this spicy food? Did it affect me? Or am I having acid reflux? Or what might be happening? Um, and, And just like, you know, your whole body's your instrument. So I think that it's important that as we go about thinking about how to protect our voice and how to let it rest, it does actually involve more than just not talking.
1: Yes. And I think too, recognizing that it's not just the voice itself that's the instrument so getting the body and the breath awake in the morning is really crucial Um, especially if it's um, allergy season which tends to be all year round now um, where you might have additional phlegm moving that's me today Um, you know giving time to stretch that all through before you start actually using the instrument not just feeling like you can roll out of bed and just start recording.
0: And Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're doing the Sam Elliott voice, in which case you might want to either just like let that (laughs) voice be the way it is the first thing in the morning or or have that coffee. So um, for anyone who is unaware of, of who Sam Elliott is, he's an actor and he's very much well known. For his delivery and his, um, the gravitas in his voice, uh, just go look on YouTube for any clips uh, that you might find of him speaking, and you'll get exactly what I mean. It's a, it's a voice that when you first wake up in the morning, if you're a man and you do Sam Elliott's voice, that's probably when you're doing your auditions for Sam Elliott. Exactly. Wonderful, so as we talk about just the voice and um, how we use it, but also how we misuse it, uh, I don't want to miss out on this very controversial, I would say, vocal topic. And that would be vocal fry. You hear it on TV. You hear all kinds of people do it. Um, People in in regular life might have it in their their speech patterns. But you also hear it overly exaggerated on uh, television programs. Uh, You know, when people walk in the red carpet, you hear it. Uh, But, you know, vocal fry is, I don't know, I've heard that some people argue it can be used on a limited basis, that it won't hurt you if you do it only stylistically. Um, but from your point of view, Susan, as someone who is classically trained, you know, bel canto, understanding everything you, that you do about the voice and how it works, uh, what is vocal fry doing to someone's voice and is it actually a good idea? As a tool, it it's okay, but if you're speaking
1: in fry, the breath flow is impeded. And the the mechanism is imbalanced, uh, so it can cause a great deal of tension and also um, a great deal of fatigue. And so um, you're vibrating mucosal lining as opposed to really getting any true uh, core like vocal fold closure um and so that can cause fatigue more than anything else it really limits your range um so it it really tightens up the musculature so that it it uh eliminates resonance so if it's simply for uh, like a tool of of trying to imitate a certain type of voice that's great but then you've got to really stretch through those muscles again because they can really get tight after using that because it really is it's just it's on the cord, on the fold in that I'm doing it now so that there's really no pitch. It's just gravel. So trying to get out of that and stretching it again to make sure that the breath flow is free is crucial. And frankly, just pet peeve, it annoys the heck out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I think a lot of us can relate to that, Susan. And, you know, I
1: think too, because if you're in the If you are an empath of any kind, you will start to feel tired just listening to it, you know, and uh, it's frustrating because what I see sometimes is some of my singers will speak in fry, but of course they're not singing in fry, and then they wonder why going back and forth is so tiring. And that's part of it is because they're they're not maintaining a supported breath energy while they speak and then expecting that they can just flip it back and forth, and, and it's exhausting.
0: Oh wow! So for those singers, I'm sure it's absolutely exhausting. Just just even thinking about having mm-hmm. to, you know, mentally do the shift, let alone just the body and the the anatomical side of shifting. So what is the voice doing? Like we've mentioned that it has something to do with not a lot of air support, but what is actually happening um, to the mechanical aspect of of the vocal apparatus during vocal fry?
1: It tends to be um, less. I'm going to less subglottal movement so there's pressure that builds up. It's kind of like a pot on the stove and you pull it, you know, it's boiling too fast, too hard and then it'll just blow the top off. So what what happens is we're keeping all of that combustion underneath the folds for too long. There's not a follow through. So the vibration has nowhere to resonate. Oh, it's trapped. Exactly. So, so your voice literally will feel trapped.
0: Oh my goodness. So yeah. what about people who make a career of this? I'm thinking about people who, um, who sing in heavy metal bands, for instance. And, and that's kind of their go-to, is this direct, like, I'm going to do Fry. And I, I'm guessing there are even people who teach people how to do Fry. Yeah. yeah,
1: There are. And again, if it is, if this is not something that I do, mm-hmm. but there, you know, within certain styles. It also has to do with the physicality of the singer. Some people just can do that, and it never bothers them. So, I mean, you know, every physicality is different, and we know that, you know, of the of the physicality we see, but the physicality of the larynx itself, because we can't see it, that is very, very unique as well. So some people can really um, grind into that, you know, rock singers that um, can you know stabilize that i you know my hats off to them um but a lot of people can't or they're not using again it's about breath pressure and support um if everything's happening from the larynx itself that's just going to get tighter and tighter and tighter until there's no range left
0: oh no range left that sounds like a like a vocal disorder coming up yeah, you know yeah. right right from the Oh my goodness, that that would be a little bit scary, I would think. And so um I think it would be fair to say based on what you said that <clears throat> pardon me, that the overuse of vocal fry, especially if your um physiology is not, you know, conducive to it, uh, actually spells the uh, a shorter career possibly yeah, for you. Yeah. Just because the
1: fatigue's going to start to set in
0: and then it becomes chronic. Oh, you know. And, I don't want to hear chronic. No.
1: no. <laughs> No. So oh it's goodness. really about always trying to say, okay, you know, how do I create range of motion to get the elasticity in the mechanism and in the range of my voice speaking or singing? Um, all the actors that I work with who are not singers, they sing with me. Um, they don't want anybody to know that um, because that would not necessarily be public um public singing, but they learn how to stretch their range so that when they go back into their singing voice or speaking voices from the singing voice, they have more accessibility to their speaking range.
0: Okay, actors, like if you are not seeing a singing coach for your voice, this is one way that you can actually increase your range and how you can fluctuate. People in animation, if you were not singing, you're not taking lessons in this, Uh, at least in how to access different parts of your voice and to increase your range than you should be. Uh, You know, like, okay, my little PSA is over. But I think that there is so much to be said. For being able to sing, and I've got to put this water down, I've lost range of motion, Susan, I don't have both my hands, I can't talk. Um, So, and that's exactly it, is like when you said range of motion, it made me think of, okay, well, when someone goes to the gym and they work a muscle, or or let's say you've sprained something, or oh my gosh, I don't know if I broke, whatever, and you, you go get it checked out. It's like the first thing they'll check for is range of motion. Can yes. you actually move this muscle? Is it? Does it hurt? You know? Is are you able to to do the full rotation? And the same thing is true for your voice. Like you yes. need to be able to access every part of it um, that you can, where it makes sense to, of course, uh, to to do a good job in your work. Yes. Wonderful. So as we're talking about all of this, and we did just talk a bit about vocal disorders, which I think we're going to touch a little bit on later, um, I just wanted to ask you more about when our voices get tired. And uh, there are people who who are always looking for the quick fix. I think that that's something that we in our culture do suffer from is is just, you know, the immediate gratification. I want to resolve this now. What can I do immediately? Uh, But with the voice, as you've mentioned, it actually actually, like, there's some time involved in helping it to heal and rest for your next session. So, um, you know, what is it that we can do to recover from an overused voice? And are there, if any, quick fixes? I think because voice
1: is intangible, we have to try to create a sense of tangibility. Um, and that, you know, because we can't see it or feel it necessarily, Um It's really about the voice itself being fine, but where it resides is not always optimal. So it's really about treating the body as if you were athletic, always. So what would you do with any kind of physical injury or overuse? Um, And that is how you still stabilize for the voice. So if you've overused the, the instrument, then you need to rest it. It's not rocket science in that regard. It really is much more simple than than we realize. Um, In rest, vocal rest does not necessarily mean total not speaking or doing anything. Um, It can, depending on what you're dealing with, um, but it also could mean just um, very gentle breath work or um, just to get that elasticity rebuilt or some very low registration massage, um, as you are continuing to heal from whatever it is you're dealing with. I mean, if it's full on laryngitis and you have no sound, don't try to make sound. You need literal rest to let that, um, to let that swelling release properly. And this is when it's really important. And I really do believe this. You need to have. Um, Any voice user um, professionally needs a laryngologist. Um, It's crucial to have an ENT laryngologist who specializes in the voice. Now you'd think, yeah, but that's what they do. Not all of them specialize in the actual instrument. And the crucial part of that is going in to have a baseline scope so you know what your instrument looks like when you're healthy, so that when you're not healthy, there's something to compare it to. And then they're able to give you um, the necessary rest requirements or whatever you're, you're gonna need if for whatever reason you've overdone it.
0: Right. And I know in America where you are, it's a lot easier to find someone like that. Um, It is, yes. yes. But in Canada, where you've also resided, um, it's not easy to get a referral to one of these places. I know there's a vocal function clinic that sometimes runs, sometimes doesn't, I'm not sure, um, out of uh, one of the hospitals here. But to find an otolaryngologist or laryngologist uh, is not an easy thing for Canadians. Um, I don't know anyone else who has a healthcare system like we do in Canada. You're going to run into having to navigate a maze of referrals and waiting and so on. So, just I think it's very important that you find um, a way to communicate to your doctor that this is your livelihood. Like this is something Absolutely. that you need to be monitoring and knowing, and they need to get that referral in for you because, um, you know, you don't want to have an issue that's been developing or, or may just start uh, developing and, and not even know about it until it's too late. Like you could get nodes, you could have all kinds of issues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why if you can get a referral, when you're healthy <laughs> and establish that relationship when you don't need it that'll be crucial because then you know heaven forbid if you suddenly have issues and then you have to wait
0: mm-hmm. weeks or
1: months you know and then you're not working so it's it's preventative more than anything else
0: Wow. I think that that is a big takeaway for anyone who is listening in a country with a medical system where you can't just go and find the doctor you need um, right away. Uh, you, you need to to get on that list to to have a referral and certainly talk to your GP. But in in the States, um, there are a number of great people. I, I know that I've spoken to a, a number of otolaryngologists in, in the U.S. and and they're, you know, they're great people, they do good work, and they'll definitely help you to understand, as Susan said, what your baseline is for your health, but also address any concerns that might come along, like, you don't want to have Bogart-Bacall syndrome, for instance, where if you've been speaking lower than your natural register ought to be, then you will sound like a uh, a movie star, as the, the disease or the disorder, I should say, is named for, like, where they just spoke too low for too long, and, and their voices got really tired, so... Right. Yeah, you just have to be very careful about that. So um, when you've come across people who are struggling with um, their voices getting tired, maybe more quickly than they would like, or, or they're just not able to, um, to maintain the stamina throughout a mm-hmm. session, um, what can they do?
1: I think it's really recognizing, um, you know, when you're on mic, that's the back of the house. That's as far as you need to project. But the problem is sometimes is that the breath flow because it's not that far from your mouth, the breath flow can slow down, the exhale can slow down. It's not the inhale so much that but it's the exhale. And I always think of exhale like moisturizer. You want to slather it on so everything keeps stretching. So if all of a sudden that exhale starts to get slow, your muscles are going to start to fatigue because everything is starting to get dry and and tight. So Doing, you know, exercises that will just move air. Some people use the straw as a, a an exercise to stretch those muscles, where you're just going to blow bubbles without tone or just use the straw and, you know, move the air because it just continues the vocal tract space. But you can also just do what I call um horse trills, which is is just right? A lip trill with no sound, just to start to get some movement in that exhale, or using unvoiced onsets like shs, ths, fs, just to start to move the breath flow a little bit, so that you're taking regular breaks, Um, because sometimes you know we're under we're under the wire always with a you know you you need to get something done, and you feel like okay I can't take a break because this needs to be in by this time, but that's not necessarily the best thing. Even just taking 30 seconds to release your air and go back then into it is going to make sure that longevity stays equalized so much more comfortably.
0: Breathing is very important, obviously, to staying alive, but also to keeping your voice in good shape. And I don't think people understand a lot about their body and how it functions to support the breath and what their diaphragm is and why it's important that that you're singing from there or speaking from there and and not from your throat because that's where, you know, um, tightness can develop and and tension can live anywhere, um, you know. And so for a vocalist, uh, where do you find that tension lives most often? And again, how can they work to resolve that?
1: Tension can be anywhere. Sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't again, every body is different. Um, Everybody's muscle twitch is different speeds. Um, And so, you know, working with someone that can help you isolate and integrate where some of those tensions might live in the body, because we need tension. It's, you know, it's not like we have to be you know, Raggedy Ann kind of thing. We need that usable tenacity um, to engage the support of the breath and the, and the body. It's when that tenacity and that tension overexerts in, in a certain area of the body that, that causes issues. So it's really trying to find out, you know, how do I align? I, I always think of it like marionette. We need to align the points of tension in the body to make sure there's some give and take. And it doesn't lock, and so every body is different. Everybody holds those tensions in different spots. So it's starting to just recognize in your own body where am you know where is my tension, Um, where is my usable tension, and where is my locked tension?
0: I think a lot of singers might hold that locked tension in their knees and I'm just thinking about this because when you're in choirs and you're singing you're all up on a riser it is so exactly. easy for your your legs your knees to just lock and then someone faints or passes out you're like what, yeah. what happened here it's because yeah. Yeah. there was just too it wasn't you know you were, maybe weren't grounded properly yeah. or just not loose enough so um always be aware of what your own body is doing and where um Tension uniquely resides in you <laughs> because it could be, as you say, it's different for everybody. And yeah. and I, I feel so awful for those people who have TMJ where that resides and everything is a click Absolutely. and it hurts so much yeah. in, in there. So, um, you know, but obviously if, if you've got that, you're hopefully finding ways to relieve it either through massage or, um, you know, chiropractic or, or however else it is. Uh, but, yeah, like singers have pain. Actors have pain. And and you need to be able to find ways to Um, relieve that pain naturally, so that at any given time, you can release the tension and give your best performance that you can. Exactly. And I think, you know, um, just if you're talking about
1: voice actors, especially on mic, whether you're sitting while you do your work or standing, the key is to always go back to your feet. So if you've been sitting on mic for a while, sometimes you start to just kind of sit into your sit bones and then the whole upper body starts to sag, which then puts pressure on the exhale. Um, so if you can just maneuver yourself and energize back into your feet and, and the legs begin to activate, then the support energy starts to build from the floor back up. And that can be a great reset, just to remind you um, how to reactivate the body energy.
0: Great tips. So before we go, Susan, I wanted to ask you, what's one thing you wish you had known about your voice earlier in your career? That it takes a long
1: time to find it fully. That it's not just going to be there. um, Because voice is hormonal in its development and physical in its development, it takes time for that to completely come into maturity so that it's really, you know, again, like you said, we're in this instant culture and younger is better. And honestly, I believe that as a voice person, um, our voices are like fine wine. They get better with age. So, um, you know, it's not about trying to find it all right away, but let yourself, you know, Take the time it needs to to and nurture it so it develops and and can last as long as you want to be bothered.
0: Take that home and write it down, everybody. <laughs> it gets better with age. Don't like lose hope if you're like, oh, I want my voice to sound this way or that way. It's like you know what? It's a process, and it sure and as is. you grow and mature, and and the way that you were made to be. And just it'll happen. You will get there. You'll have that peak performance that you're looking for. But also just to be aware of just how that voice is uniquely you. And you don't need to sound like anyone else. You know, exactly. the voice you were born with, it's it's all you need. Agreed. Perfect. So, Susan, I've had the great privilege of studying with you before, and I would love to be able to point people your way. So, um, how can people find you, and what's the best way for them to learn about what you do? They can simply go to my website, and I have a
1: short form for it since my name is long. So, it's just go to SEY.FYI, and that will take you to all things voice. Um, which you can contact me through the contact page on that, and uh, I'd love to hear from you. Wonderful. And are you teaching remotely too or, or just in Manhattan? No, I am remote, uh, a silver lining of <laughs> our pandemic. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm teaching online and in, and in the city.
0: Wonderful. So thank you again for joining us, Susan. I know I learned a lot. I hope everyone was listening, especially to what you said about vocal fry. I know that men and women both can go and do vocal fry and it's still equally annoying. But at any rate, (laughs) that's another conversation perhaps for another day. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) But thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you. And that's the way we saw the world through the lens of voiceover this week. Thank you for listening to Vox Talk and for being part of our community. I also want to thank the amazing Susan Icorn young for sharing her tips and knowledge with us. It's so good to have answers to many of Vocal Health's perennial questions answered here today on Vox Talk. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with your friends. For Voices, I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli. Vox Talk is produced by Jeff Bremner. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. mm mm-hmm. will